Al-Bayan Radio presents the following lesson from Masjid Al-Azhar, Bilmo. Presented by Sheikh Jalal al-Shami. So we're continuing with the common mis- uh, mistakes that are widespread among the Muslims. And we're in the chapter of the prayer. So common mis- uh, uh, mistakes that are done in the, in the salah. Uh, <clears throat> the Sheikh mentioned in point number 21, eating, drinking and laughing during the prayer invalidates the prayer. So this is something that the scholars of Islam have unanimously agreed on that eating and drinking and laughing invalidate the salah. Um, So eating and drinking during obligatory prayers invalidates the prayer according to the consensus of the scholars. Ibn al-Mundir said the scholars have agreed that a person is prohibited from eating and drinking and all the scholars from whom knowledge is taken have agreed that whoever purposely eats or drinks during the obligatory prayer must repeat his prayer. Likewise, the consensus of the scholars that laughing invalidates the prayer has also been narrated by Ibn al-Mundir. Okay? So a person might ask, like, who would eat or drink in the prayer? And you never know, some, a person could be in a situation where he eats. Some people ask, you know, if you've got food stuck in your teeth and you loosen it with your tongue, does that invalidate your prayer? If it's a small amount, that's not like something that needs to be chewed, then it doesn't invalidate the prayer. But let's say, for example, you know, it's Ramadan and you didn't break your fast yet and you came to the masjid to pray Salat al-Maghrib and then you had a date in your pocket. And you pop it in your mouth. Is that allowed? No. Not allowed. Because it's, some, it's a big morsel that requires to be chewed. But if maybe you had a date before Salah, and sometimes the skin of the, uh, of the date gets stuck, or sometimes the sweetness gets stuck in your, in your teeth, and maybe you might dislodge it with your, with your tongue, and you taste it, or then inshallah it doesn't invalidate. Uh, it doesn't invalidate your prayer. But probably what happens more often is laughing in the salah. This happens, could happen with anyone. Not only children, children, a lot of the time they laugh. Sometimes in the salah, especially if they're praying together. But it can happen to adults as well. And sometimes you'd be praying and especially one of your children does something funny in front of you. Or you remember something. And what a good habit is, like sometimes, for example, it's sitting, you'd be sitting with your friends, laughing and joking and so on, and then it comes time for salah. I say, brothers, let's go and pray. And then as soon as you start to pray, what happens? You remember that joke that you just said a few minutes ago. Right? And it comes to your mind, and then laughing becomes contagious. You start... And then the guy next to you and the guy behind you. And then like you're trying to hold it in. And then you, it just takes one small peep from someone. And then everyone starts laughing. So uh, uh, many of the scholars, they said that if you're in a situation, as I described, you're sitting with your friends, laughing, joking, having halal fun يعني, with your friends. And you're in the fun mood, giggly mood, don't pray straight away. Don't pray straight away. Say, brothers, look, we're going to pray and we're you know, all laughing, giggling. Let's take some time to settle down 
and focus. Maybe everyone go and make a wudu. Don't talk to each other. Try to get into the frame, framework of salah. Everyone pray to the sunnah by yourself. And that's the benefit, subhanAllah, of the sunnah prayer before salah. So it helps you put yourself in that frame of mind. And that's why uh, when we talk about the khushu' in salah, khushu' starts from before salah. Khushu' starts from the moment you hear the adhan. What does the adhan symbolize? It's the calling of Allah. Imagine the Qur'an, or the adhan, sorry, is the announcement of your death and the taking of your soul. And you're coming back to Allah. Because when the adhan is called, this is your coming to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have to come and stand in front of Allah. So imagine the adhan is a time when, where, where, where it's like the day of judgment is sounded. The horn is blown for you. The angel of death comes to you when you hear the adhan. How are we going to listen to the adhan then? You drop everything. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, they asked the wives of the Prophet ﷺ, how was the Prophet ﷺ at home? Now, a lot of people that even ask, you know, how's the mashayikh at home, you know? They're always reading Quran and hadith and knowledge and their kids, mashallah, their kids must be scholars because the shaykhs, all they do is worship and knowledge. Who's better than all of the shaykhs and the scholars? Who's better than them? Rasulullah So they asked the wives of the Prophet How was Rasulullah at home with his family, with the kids? They said he was like anyone else. What do you do at home? That's how Rasulullah is talking and playing and mucking around. But when it came time for salah, it's as if he didn't know us. Drop everything. The adhan came. It's like you're you're not in this world anymore. Salah now. I have this is my time with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He would go and prepare himself for the salah. A lot of the time we hear the adhan and we're still talking, still playing, ignoring the adhan. When we hear the adhan, we should stop what we're doing. Concentrate, listen, repeat the words of the adhan. Because it should be preparing us for the salah. So we could be playing and joking with our family, with our kids and having a good time. Time of Adhan is serious now. We go and we make wudu, we pray sunnah prayer, we go to the masjid and even on the way to the masjid, don't, you know, listen or engage in speech or talk that is distracting. Lahu. Put yourself in the frame mind of salah. As you are walking, say dhikr, remember Allah, read Qur'an. If you're playing something on your, in your car, play something that reminds you of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So get in the frame of mind as you're coming to the salah. When you're coming, you see your friends. Before you give salam to anyone, come and pray to Rakatahit al-Masjid. It's better actually not to talk to anyone in the masjid. 
Because I didn't come for this. I came to pray. I came to get the mercy of Allah. But if incidentally you met someone, especially someone you haven't seen in a long time and so on, you give them salam, no, it's not, it's not forbidden. Or someone asks you they need something from you and you talk even about worldly things, it's allowed. But don't make that your main priority. Some people, the masjid becomes like a boys club. The masjid becomes like a boys club. It's just a place to meet my friends and talk. Before the prayer, it's like the prayer is like, oh, pray and then go back and talk and hang out. No. Because if we treat the masjid like that, we lose, start to lose the, the, the respect of the masjid. But it doesn't mean we're not allowed to speak at all. We're allowed, but remember what you're here for. That's why when you first step foot into the masjid, you say, Allahumma ftahli abwaba rahmatik. Oh Allah, open for me the doors of your mercy. You're reminding yourself what you're here for. You're here to get the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why when you step foot out of the masjid, you say, Allahumma ftahli abwaba fadlik. Oh Allahumma as'aluka, Allahumma inni as'aluka min fadlik. Oh Allah, I ask you from your bounty. The bounty, the worldly things. Okay, outside. First thing, oh Allah, bless me. With, with your bounty and with your grace and with your blessings from outside. So don't put the worldly things inside the masjid. Try to focus in the masjid to the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's why we go back to our point now. Don't get distracted in your salah with laughing. So if you find that your mind is distracted, prepare yourself. Go and make wudu. Even if you don't need wudu, go and repeat your wudu. Because it helps you calm your body, refresh yourself, wash your face, refresh yourself. Go and pray sunnah and then come and pray the fard prayer. Unless this jama'ah already started, okay, try to focus on that. That's why some of the scholars, they said that if a person laughs during the salah, we said that that's consensus, that the salah is invalidated. Yeah, break your salah. So what do you do now? Your salah is broken, you have to restart your salah from new. Some of the scholars, like the Hanafi scholars, they said that you can't just, if you laugh and break your salah, you can't just pray again. You have to go make wudu again. Does laughing in the salah break your wudu? They said, no, you have to make wudu again. You can't just pray again. Laughing normally doesn't break your wudu. So why did they say you have to go make wudu before you pray again? Because let's say you... You remembered something, it made you laugh, and you start laughing, and you break your salah, astaghfirullah. Start praying, Allahu Akbar. You still got the giggles in you. So they said, when you leave the salah, you go make wudu, and you come back, that helps you overcome the, laugh, the laughter. But if, you, if we just say, khalas, you're praying, and then you, you laugh about something, and then it's... Start again, Allahu Akbar, you're still, still going to laugh. So you can do that, but what's better, especially if you find within yourself, you can't control your laughter, and this happens to everyone, this, from time to time, a person, this is human nature, that if you find that the only way to control that is to make wudu, then you should go back and make wudu, so that you don't laugh in the salah. As I said, this happens a lot with children, but it can happen with adults as well, so we have to be mindful of that. That laughing invalidates the salah. And so we have to be aware of how to put ourselves in the right mindset before we get into the salah so that we don't do these things that invalidate the salah. The next, raising the voice with recitation and disturbing those around you. So you find that especially in the sunnah prayers. 
we finish the fard prayer, and then someone either has missed the jama'ah and he starts praying and raising his voice and disturbing others around him. Or he's praying sunnah prayers, disturbing others, raising his voice. It is recommended that the one should be able to hear himself while not reciting so loudly that he harms those reciting the Qur'an or praying. Imran ibn Hussain narrated, أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الظهر فجعل رجل يقرأ خلفه بسبح اسم ربك الأعلى فلما انصرف قال أيكم قرأوا أيكم القارئ فقال رجل أنا فقال قد ظننت أن بعضكم خالجنيها ف uh, the translation of this narration, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa prayed the Dhuhr prayer. So the Dhuhr prayer is what? The silent prayer, quiet prayer. And a man behind the Prophet sallallahu in the Jama'ah, he started reading Surah Al-A'la and his reading could be heard even by the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa by the Imam. So when he finished, the Prophet sallallahu turned and he said, which one of you was reciting or which one of you was the reciter? A man responded, it was I. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, I thought that some of you were disputing with me concerning what I was reciting. It's like you're trying to compete with me or correct me. It's like you're, uh, don't try to, because then imagine the imam is reading, and then the person, he can hear the person behind him is reading, then this will confuse him, even confuse the other people, especially maybe they're reading the same surah. Okay? And you know, it's from the sunnah, sometimes, even in quiet prayers, that the imam reads with a slightly louder voice that allows those behind him to hear what he's reciting. Okay, but not in a way to disturb them, so that if they want, they can recite the same as what he's reciting, but it's not a condition. Okay, but it's not so loud or in a disturbing way, and this is the right of the imam, not for anyone else. The scholars have said that this statement of the Prophet ﷺ was his disapproval of this action. So a person should not recite or raise his voice in anything in the salah that would disturb others around him and especially the imam. Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah, he said, whoever recites the Qur'an while the people are praying optional prayers, then he should not recite loudly as to distract them. So if there's someone reading, sitting, he's not praying, but he's reading Qur'an from the Mus'haf, let's say, or from his memory. And there are people praying, the person who's reading should lower his voice not to disturb those who are praying. The Prophet ﷺ came out to his companions and they were praying with their voices raised. He said, He said, when you pray, you are talking confidentially to your Lord. So look to what you can find confide to him with and do not raise your voices over each other with the Quran okay so a person should not read with a loud voice especially if he's uh, whether he's outside of the prayer uh, before those who are praying or even if he's praying within the prayer and reading loudly to disturb others who are praying if a person's in his privacy of his own home and there's no one else he's disturbing he can Read loudly, that's fine, as long as he doesn't disturb others who are praying or reading. Type number 23, annoying the worshippers by crowding them. 
This is from the prohibited harms. The worshipper selects a space, space which is empty. Unless he sees an opening, he can easily reach without harming the people. It is prohibited to harm the people, especially during Friday prayers. The Prophet ﷺ said to the man who stepped over the people during Friday prayers, which is narrated by Abdullah ibn Busur, Ijlis faqad adayt. Sit down, for you have annoyed the people. Some people, subhanAllah, they come late to Salatul Jumu'ah. But he comes and he steps over people, steps over people until he comes to the front or wherever he wants to sit and he moves people away so that he can pray in the, in the front. This is forbidden to do. And once a man, he did that in the time of Rasulullah the Prophet called him out. And he said to him, sit down for you have annoyed the people, you have harmed the people. Just find a place that is close to you and sit. And we have been forbidden from what's called taraqqi riqab Yani riding over the necks of people, stepping over the necks of people to get to the front spaces, especially in Salat al-Jumu'ah. Or, or to separate between two people. Two people, their friends sitting next to each other. There's a slight gap between them. He comes and squeezes himself in between them. Make annoying them and making a squash for them. A brother comes and he says, no, no, there's enough space. Look, look, Akhi, see, and he's praying like this. Can't even stand straight. And they're all squished. And the whole salah, they're just annoyed that this person has squashed them. No, it's important to fill the gaps and make the lines. But in appropriate positions, not over, overcrowding, uh, overcrowding the lines. Because this does away with the khushu' of the people. And they become annoyed. And they are now not constrained on their prayer. They're just annoyed. And they just want the prayer to get over and done with. To relieve themselves from this annoyance. So we should not annoy our fellow Muslims when we are praying in this way. Point number 24, not straightening the rows for prayer. And you find, subhanAllah, you find brothers that they're so eager to come to the front row, but only on certain occasions. We pray every day, five times a day, 365 days of the year. But when do they come? They want to squeeze into the front line. Hiya, honey. In Ramadan. In Taraweeh, which is a sunnah prayer. You get more rewards for praying in the front line of a fard prayer on any day outside of Ramadan than to pray in the front row in Taraweeh. But where do we find people rushing for the front row every day of the year? For every prayer? Where do we find people racing to the masjid for the prayers? For example, in the daytime, Dhuhr or Asr. Most people, even if they come early for in a regular masjid, they'll sit lining the walls until the iqamah comes and they'll Dodo up to the lines. If they make the first line, it doesn't matter. Second line doesn't matter. But if it's taraweeh, they come early and want to get the front line. No, to come early for the fard prayer, to make the first line for the for the fard prayer, even outside of Ramadan, is more rewarding than praying taraweeh prayer in Ramadan. Sounds strange, huh? Is could that be correct? But Ramadan taraweeh so rewarding. What's the Sheikh talking about? The Prophet ﷺ, he said, 
that Allah Ta'ala, he says, مَنْ عَادَ لِي وَلِيًّا فَقَدْ آذَيْتُهُ فَقَدْ آذَنْتُهُ بِالْحَرْبِ وَلَا يَزَالُوا رَجُلٌ يَتَقَرَّبُ إِلَيَّ بِالنَّ... وَلَا شَيْءٍ أَحَبُّ إِلَيَّ وَلَا يَتَقَرَّبُ الْعَبْدُ إِلَيَّ بِشَيْءٍ أَحَبَّ إِلَيَّ مِمَّا افْتَرَضْتُهُ عَلَيْهِ That the Prophet وسلم, he said that Allah Ta'ala, he says there is nothing that a person can get closer to Allah with better than doing the things that Allah has obligated upon you. Yani the thing that will bring you closest to Allah is by fulfilling what? The obligatory deeds. And a person will continue to get closer to Allah by doing the voluntary deeds until I love him. So which is the priority? The fard. The obligatory deeds. And then that's the best thing that will get you close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then for you to get extra close to Allah, you do the sunnah actions. If you miss one fard prayer, if you pray all the sunnah prayers from now until you die, it doesn't make up for one fard prayer. There's nothing that you can do that is more beloved to Allah than fulfilling the fard. Whether it's fard prayer, fard fasting, fard zakat, the fard, the, obliga- the obligation of staying away from sins, is more rewarding than doing voluntary deeds. Okay? So, we should be keen to come to the masjid, not only for Friday prayers and tarawih prayers, but for every of the prayers and to make the first lines to come early and so on. Number 24, we said not straightening the rows for the prayer. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded us to establish the prayer. Allah ta'ala says, وَأَقِيمُ الصَّلَاةِ وَأَقِيمُ Part of the meaning of aqimu means stand up. Part of the meaning of aqimu means pray correctly. Part of the meaning of aqimu salah means pray in a straight line. Because aqama means to make upright and straight. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he said, "Sawu sufufakum fa inna taswiyatu sufuf min min iqamati salah." Straighten your rows, for straightening the rows is part of iqamati salah. It's part of establishing the prayer. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he said, "Latasawunna sufufakum aw la yukhalafan Allahu bayna wujuhikum." Make your rows straight, or Allah will cause discord among you. If the row isn't straight, one brother is a little bit forward, one brother is a little bit back, one bro- there's a gap and whatever, this is not keeping the row straight. What is the punishment of that? That Allah will turn your faces against each other. They'll cause discord and hatred between the Muslims. Today, a lot of people say, why is there so much disunity and hatred between the Muslims? We say, look how they stand in salah. Wallahi, if the Muslims stood correctly in salah, then Allah will make their hearts together just as, as they are in the salah. When there's separation and disputes in the rows in the salah, then there will be dispute and separation in the hearts. The salah is the essential thing. We want to fix the ummah. The first thing we fix the ummah with is the salah. Before anything else, what's the use of we aim so high, and even the basics we don't even get right. 
Is there anything more important than the salah? There are numerous hadith that command and incite straightening of the rose in the prayer. And so this is sufficient. Or else there's a lot of hadith that talk about straightening the rose. And just to let you know, how is the rose straightened? Nowadays, mashallah, we have beautiful uh, uh, Turkish woolen carpets, mashallah, that have designed rose in them. Allah, if we're in the time of the Prophet Sallallahu I don't know what we'd do. There's no lines drawn. They didn't have lines. They had just dirt floors, sand for their floor. No lines drawn. You know, reminds me of you know in in school. If there isn't lines, then you can't draw straight. You know, the kids when they first, how do they write? Their writing goes starts to. You draw on a, on a blank page, all of a sudden you see the writing go up. We should train ourselves not to rely on the line. Some people, the last brother, stand on the line. So especially in this masjid, the lines are a little bit tight, so sometimes they, some brothers, they, it, no, 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 you're not standing on the line. They have a, a nervous breakdown. Akhi, the line is not a Quran that you have to stand. Allah didn't say in the Quran, you have to stand on the marked lines. There's a line we stand on. If there's no line, it doesn't matter. But how do we stand straight? Okay? If I stand to, next to these young brothers and we put our toes on the front of the line, are we standing straight? Why? Because my foot is probably twice the size of Abdullah Khaja's foot. So what's going to happen now? If we're standing with our toes in the front, then our shoulders, or at least Abdullah's shoulders, are going to be in front of me. So I'm going to be back because my shoulders, my foot is longer. I'm going to be further back and he's going to be a little bit forward. And then the other brother, sorry, what's your name? Rayan Muhammad is going to be next to me on the other side. He's going to be, he's going to be zigzag. Because you see the line based on the shoulders. So if we want the shoulders straight, how do we have to stand? With the heels in line, not the toes in line, because everyone's toes are different. Some people, mashallah, size 13 feet, they wear ships for shoes. Shakhtura. You can sail to Indonesia with you if you want with them. <laughs> right? But some, mashallah, nice petite feet. So it's not by the toes, it's by the heels, because your heels line up with your shoulders. And what's important? The shoulders are lined up. Okay? So we stand without, that's why we stand close to each other until our shoulders are touching. And you stand, you put your feet as wide as your shoulders. And so if your feet are as wide as your shoulders and the brother is standing with his shoulder on your shoulder, then what's, where's his foot going to be? Where's his ankle going to be? Stuck to your ankle. The ankles on the ankles and the shoulders on the shoulders. Doesn't matter if he's Abdullah or Muhammad, we're all going to be straight. Rayyan, sorry. We're all going to be straight. Doesn't matter how tall or short you are. And the Prophet ﷺ, he would straighten the rose like he's straightening an arrow. You know how you look like that? That's, the Prophet ﷺ would walk along the rose and straighten the rose with his hand, wiping on the shoulders of the Sahaba, make sure, like his Amilayis. 
Like, like he's making sure the shoulders are straight. If he saw someone he's out, he would push him back or push him forward. One Sahabi poked him in his tummy, he had his tummy out. He'd get in the line. And he would look on the edge to see who's out. Like he's straightening an arrow. Who cares? A few millimeters here or there. Correct or not? That's what we say today. Yallah, Shaykh, khallasna. Imagine someone, an imam, did that today. Wallah, I've never seen an imam do that except one imam. One brother, Allahu alam, where he is now. I heard he went to America. Whether he's alive or dead, he was an old man. And he would walk through the lines before the salah. Walk through the lines and look at the lines and straighten the lines. I said to him, after the salah, I said, Shaykh, why did you do that for? I've never seen anyone do that. And then he came and he got the book from the shelf and he sat with me and he read with me all of the hadith from the Prophet ﷺ and how the Prophet ﷺ would straighten the lines. That's how important. We think today, why? Well, life today we did that. Yalla, Shaykh, we've got to, want to finish that. It's already passed. Today we're one minute late. Allahu Akbar. 7.06 and we made the iqamah 7.07. So, by the second. Ticks over, you have to start straight away. Like clockwork. Imagine today we walk past and a little bit forward, a little bit back. And I say, Shaykh, who cares? Just pray, get it over and done with. There is nothing more important in your life than salah. اِجْعَلُوا أَهَمَّ أُمُورِكُمُ salah. What more do you have? You're going to go watch Bab al-Hara at home? What are you going to do, Yani? Or Tughrul now they're watching, sir. I don't know, they're still watching it. Right? Why are you in a rush to get home for? There's nothing more important than the Salah. And that's how Rasulullah because that's how the Sahaba were straight. That's how the Sahaba, they loved each other. We want to be like the Sahaba, Correct? It all starts from the masjid. It all starts from the salah. When the salah is correct, then everything else will be correct. That's why even when they elected Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu as the khalifa, why did they elect him and accept him to be the khalifa? They said, we accepted him to lead our salah. Then why shouldn't we accept him to lead our worldly affairs? If we trust him with our salah, then why shouldn't we trust him with our worldly affairs? Our salah is more important than the worldly affairs. Nowadays, the opposite. Nowadays, they don't look at the person to lead the salah because he is trustworthy, because he is honest, because he is God-fearing. Just whoever has a nice voice, they can make us enjoy the sound. The imam is a very critical person. And when we honor our imams and we're ready to live and die with our imams, we're ready for our imams to lead us in our life, that's when Islam will be the most important in our life. And that's where Islam will be really important for us, more important than anything else in our life. So not straightening the rows is one of the big problems that we find many Muslims making a mistake and this is very widespread. Another thing that we find is a problem, and probably we'll, we'll end with this insha'Allah, is raising the feet off the ground while making sujood. So we all know that the Prophet ﷺ, he said, uh, 
the I was commanded. Rasulullah saying, I was commanded. Who commanded Rasulullah? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says, I was commanded to make sujood on seven parts, on seven bones, but not to tuck up my hair or my garment. I've been commanded to prostrate on seven. Umirtu an asjuda ala sab'in wala akuffa sha'ran wala thawban. So on seven parts. So when you make sujood, seven parts of your body must be touching the floor. Your two feet, يعني the bottoms of your toes, when your toes are pointed forward, that's two. Your two knees, your two hands, and so two, 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 that's six, and then your forehead and nose. And Rasulullah pointed to his forehead and nose as one. So all of these need to be touching the floor at the same time for your sujood to be correct. Sometimes you have some brothers, they'll come and make sujood just on their forehead with their nose up. Sometimes they put their nose and put their forehead up. Sometimes they make sujood, but they will put their hands, not put their palms on the floor. They'll either crunch up their, uh, their, their, their palms or raise their palms, scratching their hands, not putting their hands flat when making sujood. Sometimes you have some people that raise their feet off the ground and start waving them up in the air. Same people do that. This makes your Sujood, invalid. Why? Because if your feet are in the air, there's only five parts making sujood, not seven. The feet have to be touching. Or sometimes what they'll do, instead of waving the feet, they'll put one foot on top of the other, cross their feet. Now if you do that, that's one less foot touching the ground. So you're not making sujood on seven. So this is as well another mistake that people do. Now I've lost my page. No. Okay, so Yeah. And the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, I've been commanded to prostrate on seven bones on the forehead and he pointed to his nose, on the two hands, on the two knees and on the toes of the two feet. The person is commanded to prostrate on his feet and the most complete manner in doing this is when the toes facing towards the qibla. The restriction is that they uh, that he must place the part of each foot on the ground. If he lifts either foot, his prostration is not correct if it remains raised throughout the, his prostration. So it has to be at least for the time of one tasbihah, all of these parts touching the ground. If not even the time of one tasbihah, at least one of these parts are not touching the ground, his sujood is invalid. Okay, the last thing inshallah will take is placing the right hand over the left hand and raising the hands to the neck. Okay, this is the, uh, the, the opposition to the sunnah because the Prophet وسلم, used to place his right hand over his left hand on his chest. The sunnah is accomplished by placing the hands in the middle of the chest or below at the heart. This is because the heart is in the chest based upon the same of the Prophet Sallallahu Raising the hands to the neck is a mistake in opposition to the sunnah which has been narrated from Ali concerning Therefore turn in prayer to your Lord and sacrifice to him only this narration is weak and cannot be used as evidence for placing the hands at the neck. So some people will find that they put their hands on their neck when they pray. 
like very high up. We put our hands right on the left on our chest because the chest is where your heart is or slightly slightly below. Okay? So not too high up. Or some people put their heart, hands on their heart on the left side. No, to put in the middle, either in the chest or slightly below is uh, يعني, the right way to do it. Okay. Inshallah, we'll speak about raising the hands next time. Subhanakallah wa bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu alayka. Zatmullah khairan.